from the Wayne Sumner Studio. My recommendation is in honor of the British Bodie McBoatface. It's uh, Sonny McCarface. Broadcasting live in Boone, North Carolina on 90.5 WASU-FM. You're driving and you think you start getting hungry and you're like, oh, I have a Dunkin' Donuts app on my car. Why not I just buy 12 donuts? Around the world on iHeartRadio and WASURadio.com. It's astonishing what you've done. You managed to have a three-car pileup on a road with a speed limit of 25 miles per hour. Right in front of the police station, too. So, uh, congratulations. This is Loopy Radio. This is Loopy Radio. This is Loopy Radio. I'm Loopy. August 28th, 2019. I will never do a show again in August of 2019. Not like that really means anything. Uh, welcome to the show tonight. It's been a it's been a long stinking day. Long day. And the being being station manager, I, I knew it was gonna be a job. I you know, maybe, maybe I'm taking my job too seriously. I don't think so. I, I've enjoyed what I've done so far, and I've gotten things done. Uh, I'm learning a lot about what I'm capable of doing, uh, whether I want that capability or not. Ah, uh, Let's see if I uh, get through this without falling asleep. We got some big food news uh, out in the world right now. Popeyes, uh, Chick-fil-A, Wendy's going at it. Didn't think Wendy's would get in on that, but uh, they're, they're trying. KFC meatless chicken. That's right, KFC meatless. The kernel has gone meatless. Nike. Nike is offering a subscription program for shoes. You can now, just like you do with Spotify and Netflix, uh, Nike wants to allow you to subscribe to shoes. And then something that's affected me personally a whole lot the uh with with flying in planes. I've I've really never done it until this year. I've already been on two trips that required flights, I'm about to go on a third. The Boeing 737 groundings. I mean, if you don't know about this, you really haven't been paying attention to your aeronautical news. Uh, but it, it's a bit, it's a big stinking deal. And now, since these Boeings have been grounded for so long, you know, we start to get the question of, yeah, how, what does it take to, to store one of these things? Like, you, you tell me how to store, how do you store, you know, a fleet of 50 massive airplanes? Where do you put them? What does it take to store them? Because planes are more complicated than a a car. I mean, even with a car, if you're going to store it for a long period of time, you want to do it properly, especially if you want to keep it decent. We're talking about a huge plane. Super complicated. What What all does that entail? And where do you put 50 massive planes? These things are designed to be in the sky most of the time. We'll get to all that, but uh, first, uh, if you've been on Twitter or on the internet at all, uh, you have probably fallen into this a little bit. The Popeye's chicken sandwich internet uh, stuff, 
That's all I've got for that. Popeye's Chicken, the restaurant, it's, uh, there's not too many of them, but they are rapidly expanding. They have debuted a chicken sandwich to rival Chick-fil-A, and this is throwing the Internet insane. Uh, much more than even Popeye's expected to happen. This is from Reuters. It says, if you haven't gotten your hands on one of the buzzed about Popeye's fried chicken sandwiches by now, it is unlikely to happen for a while. Yeah, the sandwich that debuted earlier this month, uh, debuted earlier this month to long lines and all kinds of hype. Uh, It will be sold out at all locations by the end of the week. That's what Popeye's corporate announced on Tuesday. It was so successful that even Popeye's wasn't prepared for it. Now, you, you know Popeye's would have supplied all the supplies, for lack of a better term. You know, they're, they're a for-profit business. They're going to sell as much as they can. Even they didn't estimate... What reality was, uh, yeah, so they're sold out, basically. Um, the chain said in a uh, prepared statement, the demand for the new chicken sandwich in the first few weeks following launch far exceeded our very optimistic expectations. In fact, Popeye's aggressively forecasted demand through the end of September and has already sold through that inventory. So not only did they sell out what they expected to be was the first day hype or the first week hype, they sold out through next month. I mean, if you're if you're Chick-fil-A or one of these other places, you gotta be saying, like, what the heck is going on? Yeah, what do we even what do we even do about this? Yeah, so they've uh, they said that sales have far exceeded our very optimistic expectations. Man, I wish I wasn't gluten-free. I'd, I'd, I'd be eating one right now. No, I wouldn't. Because they're sold out. Now I can be disappointed in two ways. I'm Loopy. I'm Loopy. In in my quest to get a career in talk radio broadcasting. I have had to choose to not get political. And I will continue to not uh, straight up cover politics. Uh, But uh, that has forced me to talk about things that I wouldn't necessarily think I would uh, talk about. And tonight, yes, we are talking about the brand new Popeye's chicken sandwich sold out across the country. Even Reuters wrote an article about this, and they're in Britain. In a prepared statement, uh, Popeye's corporate 
said the demand for the new chicken sandwich in the first few weeks following launch far exceeded our very optimistic expectations. In fact, Popeye's aggressively forecasted demand for the end of September and has already sold through that inventory. I mean, this is nuts. Now, they didn't say that this is nuts part. Reuters said, uh, but they will be coming back soon. Popeye's uh, said that in a video posted on Twitter. The sandwich, served on a brioche-like bun with pickles and a special sauce, sparked an intense social media rivalry with Chick-fil-A. Did you see this? Even, even Wendy's got in on this, too, and other places tried and were quickly shunned. Because as, as far as I'm concerned so far, Chick-fil-A is the king of the chicken sandwich. But uh, Popeye's, it looks like, man, they've, they've come out throwing punches. Brioche-like bun with pickles and a special sauce. Other fast food chains that serve up chicken sandwiches entered the fray, this article says, uh, and it didn't take long for passionate consumers to storm the Internet with their favorites. Hey, I'm sure there were several Krabby Patty jokes thrown in there, even though that's not even chicken. I mean, I'm sure that's not even beef either, if that's supposed to be at the bottom of the ocean. The Popeye's sandwiches haven't been easy to come by since they launched. And across uh, around the country, diners have waited in hours-long lines in stores. Yeah, talk about fast food. Hours-long lines in stores and drive throughs just for a taste of this new sandwich. And many locations were uh, posting sold-out signs days before the chain's national announcement on Tuesday. What a good problem to have. But at the same time, you know, you know these franchisees are like, man, I wish we had, you know, a few hundred more. It does kind of show the nature of fast food, which I love. But uh, it does show that they can run out and can't resupply for a while. That's just part of how the fast food becomes fast is uh, the way they prepare it. They prepare it somewhere else and then quickly get it served in the restaurant itself. And if they're out, they're out. It's not like they can go to the local uh, grocer and buy some steaks that they'd have on the menu and just start cooking those and make less money. You, know, you can't just go to Publix and pick up some Popeye's quality chicken sandwich uh, pieces. It's just not the same, and they know that. So they, you know, they got to prepare it the way that they do for all of their stores. And if they sell out, uh, that's it. But yes, my big news of the evening. First story of the night: Popeye's chicken sandwiches are sold out across the country. That's from Reuters. Uh, yeah, big, big news. Big news. Similarly, KFC. Another place that serves chicken sandwiches. Uh, apparently, according to the internet, not of the same quality. I wouldn't know because I can't really eat these. Gluten-free, not by choice. 
KFC has surprisingly pulled a move on the market that uh, nobody saw coming. And from what we see so far, it's a, a great product. We're talking about a meat-free KFC chicken that you can get. According to Biz Writer, KFC did the unthinkable. That's what they're saying. Testing two new plant-based vegan fried chicken, quote-unquote chicken products, in one of its Atlanta stores. And those are plant-based vegan nuggets and plant-based vegan boneless wings, also known as slightly bigger nuggets. You know, what's, what's bigger than a nugget? You know, the gold reference was bigger than a nugget. Would that be a vein? That's not very appetizing. Let's not. This is supposed to be vegan. Apparently, this was a hit as well. This was only in Atlanta, but it says customers turned out in droves, many arriving more than an hour before the store even opened to KFC. Colonel Sanders finally turning to the garden to make some chicken. I mean, this this has been a big week for chicken, whether that's real chicken or KFC's uh, imitation chicken. More of this important stuff when we come back here. I'm Loopy. I'm Loopy. I've just been told by a friend to uh, be careful because people get political about chicken. Dang it. I went all this time without that and I've gotten into the chicken game. Uh, but uh, seriously, though, I mean, this is big, big chicken week. May this week go down forever in the history of the world as the week of the chicken. So not only are Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and Popeye's in an online battle, battle over the best chicken sandwich, KFC is starting off their own chicken battle, and it looks like they're in a fight of one. Peter Economy, I feel like that's not a real name, from BizRider, said KFC did the unthinkable. Testing two new plant-based vegan fried, quote-unquote, chicken, obviously, products in one of its Atlanta stores. These are nuggets and boneless wings, also known as nuggets and bigger nuggets that are plant-based and vegan. Similar to the Popeyes, customers turned out in droves, many arriving more than an hour before the store even opened. According to news reports, the line to enter the store wrapped around two city blocks, which in Atlanta can be 20 miles. While cars were bumper to bumper in the drive-thru, looping around the store twice. I mean, I'm not that desperate. I, I can wait a good two days when I know the line has died down 
to go try food. Uh, some people, though, go for it. The line to enter the store is wrapped around two city blocks while cars were bumper to bumper, looping around the store twice. The Atlanta KFC's test was so successful that the store, especially decked out in bright green trim, sold out of its supply of Beyond Fried Chicken in less than five hours. That's what they're calling it, Beyond Fried Chicken. Less than five hours. Yeah, the the big the big question to ask here. I mean, obviously it's successful, but is KFC's new Beyond Fried Chicken anything like real fried chicken? And uh, this writer concludes apparently so. Not a difficult conclusion to get to, uh, given how many people flocked uh, around that. No pun intended. These uh, they say these taste more like fried chicken than any other options. Uh, well, yeah, somebody, uh, I can't see here, nutritionist Whitney Miner says these taste more like fried chicken than any of the other options that I've tried. So I really hope that they make these available nationwide and very soon. Nutritionist Whitney Miner. Name to remember. Ironically, as Popeyes and Chick-fil-A fight over who has the best chicken sandwich, this article says, KFC... Stunned everyone when it tested its new meat-free fried chicken wings and nuggets. Brittany Martin, senior media relations strategist at Walker Sands Communications in Chicago, she says KFC crushed it in breaking the news of its plant-based chicken release. Aren't chickens plant-based anyway? Don't they just eat plant? Whatever. Uh, compared to its fast food counterparts, they're saying, uh, that they've done better in breaking the news. Marketing. She says, in part, because they were an unexpected player to release that type of product on their menu. So it seems kind of like right place, right time. The article here says, of course, it's no secret that the fast food industry has been interested in adding plant-based options to their menus, and for good reason. Research shows that 18% of American adults say they're trying to incorporate more plant-based food to their diets. Nearly 20%, nearly one in five. Decent amount. Burger King rolled out a meat-free Impossible Whopper nationwide on August 8th. White Castle offers Impossible Sliders. Cheesecake Factory has Impossible Burgers, and you can order Beyond Burgers at TGA Fridays and A&W in Canada, for those of uh, you and my listening audience in Canada. Do you remember, uh, on a side note, the, a long time ago, I don't know if they still offer this at KFC, but the, the kids' menu things were like the shape of a laptop. You know what I'm talking about? We used to go to KFC, get the kids' meal, bring back the, the, the laptop thing, and, like, make a project out of it and make it look like an actual laptop. And, I mean, back then, laptops were so fat that as far as, as we could discern as six-year-olds, a real laptop and this KFC laptop 
Exactly the same. No difference. And given the way my current laptop's working, yeah, that same processing power. Would you, would, would you try one of these, even if you aren't vegan or vegetarian, would you, would you try a uh, vegan chicken nugget boneless wing? You know what I would like to see? I would like to see vegan wings with bones. Like I, they don't need to say boneless wings if it's vegan. I mean, maybe that's where we can use some of our uh, unused plastic straws from hell. Yeah, I mean, this article is pretty right, though. KFC, I mean, when I saw this, I was shocked because I, when I think of a company that might put out a vegan product, and not just a vegan product, but a apparently good vegan product, I, I would not think KFC. I don't know why that is. Maybe that's just their kind of image. You know, an image of a company isn't necessarily what they actually are. It, maybe that's just the way we see it, and that's helped them because it came as more of a shock. So not only is it good, but it was unexpectedly good. That's only going to help you if you're uh, if you're selling this stuff. All right, enough of that. I just got myself a new pair of shoes. What should have I done? Nike's new option. I'll go ahead and give you a hint. I can't afford Nike's new option. A shoe subscription. When we come back, we'll see what this looks like. I'm Loopy. I'm going to be brutally honest. I have never pulled an all-nighter in college. And I've only been to our library maybe five times. I get my work done uh, on my own. Uh, So I've never pulled an all-nighter. I've... I've never seen the library get freaky or nervous or depressing. But man, do I feel like I just pulled an all-nighter in the library. And I'm at the point where, like, I can't feel my limbs as well as I should. I'm just kind of on edge, clearly writing off the sugar and caffeine on the sweet tea I just drank. Chugged. Uh, man... I was on the morning show this morning. That show ended 12 and a half hours ago. And I've been busy all day ever since. Not one minute of downtime. Not one. And now I gotta do this show for another 90 minutes. Gee.
No more talking about chicken. That's going to make me more hungry. Nike is offering something new and something different. I think, uh, man, I don't think I don't think I would do this. Here, here's my deal when it comes to shoes. I know a lot of people like shoes is their thing, and that's cool. I love seeing collections. I don't I don't care what it is, but if someone really pursues a certain type of item bigly and uh just goes all in you know whether that's hats or, or bobbleheads shoes jackets i don't care whatever kind of item as long as it's not freaky but uh, you know people people collect shoes and so nike is kind of tuning into that the people who want lots of shoes for me i have a pair of white sambas adidas I have had a pair of these since I was in sixth grade, so it's been a it's been a while, and that's that's my shoe. If I'm not wearing white sambas, I don't feel totally comfortable. And I've got some dress shoes, and I've got another pair of shoes that are like sambas, but they're the Puma version, just for the fun of it. But my feet aren't at home unless they are at. I was I was going to try to make up a, an address for my shoes, but I'm not, unless they're in Sambas. But here's uh, for people who, I mean, if, if you're a shoe collector, you're not necessarily wearing the shoes. And if you do, it's like, you know, once a year, right? You get 365 pairs of shoes, 366 uh, every four years, one pair of shoes a day. But here's something interesting, and it looks like they're debuting this for kids, probably because it's cheaper to do it this way. Because shoes for kids cost less because they're smaller. From CNN Wire, straight off the wire, Nike is wading into the subscription market for the first time. This is what CNN says. I find I find this concept to be interesting. Uh Will it be common? No. This is very expensive, uh, at least for what I understand for shoes. Uh, coming from a middle-class family, this seems pretty expensive. So, you know, if if shoes is if you are shoes, then you know, then you're expensive. Nike announced Monday a week ago that it's debuting Nike Adventure Club. That's what it's called. You can kind of see it's for kids. Nike. Adventure Club, a sneaker subscription for kids ages 2 through 10. Nike will offer parents three options for their kids, four pairs of sneakers a year for $20 a month, six pairs a year for $30 a month, or 12 pairs for $50 a month. So you can look at it this way. The cheapest option, bang for the buck, is 12 pairs for $50 a month, also known as one pair a month, and each pair is $50. And that's what it is. 12 pairs for $50 a month, also known as you get one pair each month, each pair is 50 bucks. For kids' shoes, ages 2 through 10, not cheap. I mean, imagine what the adult version of this would be. It would be... Nuts. 
parents and kids will be able to choose from a selection of around 100 sneakers. So if you do the 12 pairs for $50 a month for like eight years, you can get all 100. I, I almost feel like it would just be straight up cheaper to just buy them and not do the subscription. I mean, 50 bucks? I'm loopy. I'm loopy. Would you, uh, would you subscribe to shoes for your two-year-old? These are practical questions Nike is asking right now. I think first, in order to answer that question, I need a two-year-old. But Nike is uh, trying to see what they can do in a subscription-style market, kind of like what we get from Netflix or uh, Spotify. Kind of. But man, it looks expensive. Nike announced uh, about 10 days ago. It's debuting Nike Adventure Club. That's what it's called. A sneaker subscription for kids ages 2 through 10. Nike will offer parents these uh will offer par- uh, Nike will offer parents three options to choose from for their kids. You can get four pairs of sneakers a year for $20 a month, six pairs for $30 a month, or 12 pairs for $50 a month. Obviously, you can see the the cheapest option Bang for the buck, 12 pairs for $50 a month, also known as one pair a month for $50. There's about 100 sneakers to choose from. I mean, you got to understand, this is for kids ages 2 through 10. 2. It's like debatable that they even need... Shoes, like socks, is fine, right? It's not like they're walking on, like, hot pavement. Nike is targeting time-strapped parents in the suburbs and rural areas who don't live near a shoe store with the program. That's what CNN says. Time-strapped parents in the suburbs. Oh, gosh. I don't have time to go buy my shoe, my my kids' shoes. I have a manicure at four. Ah. The company says that dragging young kids to a store every few months to try on sneakers that they will quickly outgrow can frustrate parents. Logical. I'd be frustrated too if I was paying fifty dollars a month for shoes for my kid and they outgrowed them. Outgrew. I just said growed. We're talking about kids, so I can say things incorrectly. Shopping for kids' shoes online, they're saying, also brings sizing issues and return hassles, the company says. That can be, yeah. I mean, buying buying clothes online is tricky. What I do a lot of times, uh, stores probably hate this, is I'll try something on in a store and then buy it online for like 10 bucks cheaper, you know. And then me with my shoes, my, my Sambas, I know what size. So they're the exact same each time. It fits me perfect. So I don't need to 
You can't even find these in stores anymore. You have to buy them online. I could just bleach a pair of black Sambas. That that probably wouldn't do it. But the the CNN says that uh, quoted, well, kind of uh, summarized what Nike said, saying that uh, shopping for kids' shoes online brings return hassles. But I, I do have to say, although that is true, uh, especially for most places you buy online, uh, recently I've had I bought something on Amazon and it wasn't exactly what I thought it was. And so I had to return it, right? It was like 20 bucks. So I wasn't just going to like sit on it and be like, eh, we'll just forget about it. You know, I wanted my 20 bucks back. I'm a college student, dang it. I need 20 bucks. So I did the new option that's available that I only learned of because of my talk show and I had to research for it. Uh, taking stuff back to Kohl's. It, it's so easy. You, you just tell, you go on to Amazon and tell it you want to return it to a Kohl's. Print off a sheet of paper, go to Kohl's, hand them the item and the piece of paper, and they say thank you. And that's it. And Kohl's likes it because, you know, you have to walk to their desk in the back of the store. So naturally, you're going to at least look at a few things and maybe buy something. It's brilliant. And the whole... uh Returning hassle for online stuff is absolutely, that absolutely exists. But this new Kohl's thing through Amazon is practical and easy. I mean, if you live near a Kohl's. Dave Coben, general manager of Nike Adventure Club, told CNS Business, he said, We've discovered a huge pain point for parents around shopping for kids' shoes. This was a great opportunity to experiment with different solutions. I mean, yeah, you can, you know, feel free to experiment. But, uh, man, the cheap, the cheapest way to go on a long-term basis is 50 bucks a month for a two-year-old's shoes. I mean, I've never had a kid. But, man, I mean, that sounds, that sounds borderline astronomical. I gotta, gotta, I gotta start saving up now. And the kid's not even gonna remember these shoes. I'm the only one that's gonna, that's gonna know. Yeah, I'm gonna walk up to a friend tomorrow and be like, "Do you remember your pair of shoes when you were two? Did you know these days people can get a subscription and pay fifty bucks for that pair of shoes?" I'm Loopy. I'm loopy. I just read further a little bit in uh, this article here from CNN on the Nike shoe subscription for two-year-olds, which just seems a little crazy to me. I don't know. Maybe there's some parents out there who are like, yeah, you don't know. Yeah, I don't. I, uh, I don't. Nike says they're targeting time-strapped parents in the suburbs and rural areas who don't live near a shoe store. Okay, I can see the rural areas, but 
time-strapped parents in the suburbs. You give me a break. Take one less tennis lesson. Here's the thing. Nike started piloting a sneaker club for kids two years ago, very similar to this. It grew to 10,000 members. That's that's serious. 10,000. And Coben, uh, Dave Coben is a general manager of this Nike Adventure Club, uh, believes it's ready to unveil the service more broadly. Nike Adventure Club is a key initiative for the company. The CNN article says 40 staffers are working on the project. The service gives Nike a way to draw parents who are outside of its traditional big city customer base and build a connection with young kids. I mean, yeah, that sounds like a build a connection with a two-year-old. Yeah, you'll have them for life. Other online styling services and subscription companies such as uh, Stitch Fix. Have you ever heard of these? Stitch Fix, Kid Box, and Rockets of Awesome are also fighting to win parents and children in the $69 billion U.S. children's clothing and footwear market. So there are other styling services and subscription companies. I've never heard of them. Stitch Fix, Kid Box, and Rockets of Awesome. Rockets of Awesome sounds like a really cringy children's cartoon. But uh, they're all they're all part of this fight to, uh, to be the top clothing subscription company for parents of young children. Perhaps more importantly for Nike, its kids sneaker club allows the company to test out the subscription market and potentially apply it to its adult shoppers. Coben noted that avid runners need to replace their shoes frequently, and he mentioned the possibility of a marathon membership program. Now that... That sounds doable. Are there a lot of people that uh, would qualify, really, for this? Not necessarily. But for those who uh, do run a ton and wear through shoes quickly, hey, this might might make it a little easier. But if you're me, uh, I know I, I just kind of like to stick with what I know is good. So if I had a pair of running shoes that I liked and I wore them out, I'd just get the same pair again. I'd go online and order the pair. I'd just copy my previous order. Now, you really don't need to pay a monthly subscription fee to be able to get a new pair whenever you feel like it. And if if the kids' version of this for two-year-olds is $50 a month... The adult version could be $120, $140. You know, who would... Yeah, it really could be that expensive. And that's... To me, that seems nuts. I just got my first new pair. Not my first new pair. I got a new pair of Sambas here for the first time in about two years. And they're like 50 bucks. I don't need a $100-plus subscription a month. I mean, that is... That is bonkers. But who am I to say? Because I know I'm weird. And I don't run. 
And I don't have a two-year-old. And I buy the same pair of shoes every time. So I don't meet any of these qualifications. How to store a giant airplane when we come back. I'm Loopy. From the Wayne Sumner Studio. How do you think when it says there's a 60% chance of rain? Because usually when there's like a 60% chance of rain, it rains some. Which would mean if it's raining, it's a 100% chance of rain. But it's really a 60% chance of rain. So what is it really talking about when it says 60%? Like if it's 90%, you expect it to rain. But it's 90%. That's not 100%. But we all we all know it's going to rain when it's a 90% chance of rain. So that's 90% as opposed to 100% of what if it's going to rain? I don't know. Broadcasting live in Boone, North Carolina. If, if the average of the Earth is going up by 3 degrees... And Charlotte, North Carolina's average has gone up by like 10, apparently. That means somewhere else it's going down 7. This is Loopy Radio, Hour 2. I'm Loopy. Running on fumes. Much like my car, I driving back from dinner tonight, I looked down at the, my fuel gauge and I was like, oh shoot. Have you ever gotten to the... I mean, I I have this car that I've only owned for a few months, and I just have a habit of filling up the tank when it's got like a quarter left. You know, I never want to get into a dire situation. But the longer and longer I own this car, the more and more I uh, absolutely hate it. So the the fewer and fewer things I pay attention to. And as a car guy, this is, you know, this is a serious uh, relationship issue with my own vehicle. And I look down at the fuel gauge, and the fuel light isn't on, but, man, it's low. It, it's the lowest I've ever had this car. And who knows? The, you know, it's an 18-year-old car. Who knows how, uh, you know, how accurate that fuel gauge is. But I, I know some people who are like, I know my car. You know, the fuel tank is, like, you know, so low that it's, like, sideways, backward, you know. And they're like, no, we've we've got another 250 yards. I can drop you off and go get gas. Be like, all right, that's your problem. But a a bigger type of uh, automobile uh, that flies airplanes, not flying cars. Uh, there's been a huge a huge thing recently. About uh, the 737 MAX, the Boeing 737 MAX. Earlier this year, two crashes happened uh, very quickly to each other in Asia. Both 737 MAXs, and they eventually discovered that it was due to the same software glitch. And as a result, the World Aviation Authorities said, All right, nobody can fly these. They're done. This wouldn't be a problem if there were only like five of them out there, but this happens to be the most popular commercial jet in existence. And not only is it popular currently, but there are many orders for more. And Boeing has made a lot of them, but they haven't been able to deliver them because you can't fly them. You're not going to drive a plane away from the Boeing factory. It's it's supposed to fly away. 
So I mean, this is a the, this issue covers so many. It, it impacts so many people in so many ways that you might not necessarily uh, think of. And one way that I've one little issue with this, not really a little issue, that I've discovered recently was this article written by Forbes. And it's it's how do you store these things? It's not like there's a big warehouse somewhere where you can put 25 or 50 jumbo jets. So do you put yourself in their in their shoes for a minute? You are working for you know whatever Southwest Airlines, American Airlines. And the government comes to you and says, "Yeah, you know your your most popular jet that you have." The jet that you rely on the most? Uh, yeah, you can't use that. Well, for how long? Yeah. Until they fix it. Who's they? You can't fly it. So you're told that by the government. What do you do next? I'm Loopy. I'm Loopy. That phrase becomes more and more true as this night goes on. And now we're diving into some real questions here that I have absolutely no answers for. If you were put yourself in the shoes of an organizer, a high up official for a major airliner that uses. Boeing 737 MAX jets, uh, and chances are if you're a major airliner, you have many of these, and you rely heavily on them. What do you do when the world comes to you and the U.S. government agrees that you can't use those planes until further notice? Well, first of all, you're like, what is further notice? And they don't have an answer for that. There is no set date for when these planes will be ready to fly again. Even though it's just a software issue. And to quote Jeremy Clarkson, how hard can that be? This is causing just so many issues on so many levels. Uh, here's from the Forbes staff, an interesting, interesting look on what do you do? Uh, that's a huge question. It says Boeing 737 MAX planes have been stuck on the ground now for five months, going on six. With the likelihood rising that they won't return to service before the winter, some airlines may soon have to deal with the danger that the planes could literally become stuck to the ground. Literally. Tires of planes that are parked for long periods of time can freeze to the tarmac during sub-zero weather. That's a warning from the Boeing maintenance manual for the previous generation of 737s. It advises maintenance workers to place sand or a coarse fiber mat under the tires and covers over the wheels and brake assemblies to protect them from the corrosive effects of rain and snow. I mean, these are commercial jets. They're not designed to sit. They're designed to be constantly flown. Constantly. In the air far longer than they're on the ground. And uh, not only are these things 
on the ground. They're, they're not moving. And so you run into issues that, you know, the planes weren't designed to, pre- to uh, prevent because you're supposed to be in the air. If it gets sub-zero, the, the plane's wheels can get stuck to the ground. With the end of summer drawing closer, Air Canada is considering moving its 24 737 MAX jets south to, gener- to a gentler climbs of a desert storage yard. WestJet says it's, uh, con- it's content to keep its 13 MAX planes in Canada, spooling up the engines or basically revving them up every week and taking them for a spin on the apron around their hangars. So not flying them, but just kind of driving them around. Airlines have had 387 of the jets sitting quietly at airports and storage facilities around the world since March, when the second of two horrific crashes led aviation authorities worldwide to ground Boeing's best-selling plane. Boeing is storing roughly another 200 that it has assembled but can't deliver because you can't fly them. You can't drive them, you know. They got to fly to where they got to go. This article, this next sentence uh, is pretty clear. It says planes are built to move. Making sure these aren't damaged from their prolonged grounding has become the mission of a small army of maintenance staff. The longer the plane's wings are clipped, or the the longer the plane can't fly, the more needs to be done. Southwest Airlines, the largest operator of the 737 MAX, is storing its fleet of 34 planes in the dry heat of the high Mojave Desert at an airfield in Victorville, California. Once a week, maintenance workers power up the engines, uh, which their maker uh, recommends should be idled for 15 to 20 minutes to vaporize any moisture that might have collected in the oil and fuel systems and to cover engine parts with a new coat of oil to prevent corrosion. I mean, that right there sounds like an annoying job. you got to do that every day you know, to take care of all these planes. Southwest technicians also boot up the flight computers and auxiliary power units weekly. I guess that's just to not let them sit. The doors of the planes stored in the desert are generally opened during summer days so cabins aren't damaged by the heat. You know, just bake. Here's the inevitable. Birds sometimes nest on a plane... And rarely, an animal will take advantage of an open door and take up residence inside. You know, when, the, when these people signed up to be maintenance for Southwest Airlines, I don't think in their job interview they were asked, are you willing to remove you know, a, a groundhog from a Boeing 737 MAX in the Mojave Desert? Don't think that was part of the job description. Uh, don't think that was part of the job-giving uh, decision. And, and this article just keeps on going and going and going. We'll get to it in a minute, some of the uh, more interesting bits. How to store a massive plane that doesn't want to be stored. 
I mean, this is just what they would call a big dumpster fire. And it's all because of a software glitch. Software. Not really the plane itself. I'm Loopy. College Talk Radio. Loopy without banned substances. I'm Loopy. This is one fiasco I'm, I'm glad I don't have to deal with. I've got enough to deal with anyway, trying to graduate on time. You know, we were talking this morning on the morning app, 8 to 9 a.m., Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, that uh, graduating, this came fast, uh, but it costs 15 bucks to graduate. If you don't pay the 15 bucks, they won't let you go. I feel like they should just charge you the extra 15 when you're a freshman. So that if you drop out, they're like, ha ha, too bad. You know, I feel like they're like nickeling and diming you at the final minute. Right at the end. It should just be included. I mean, just come on. But yeah, getting myself to graduate on time, that's one fiasco. Here's another fiasco I don't want to deal with, the, uh, the 737 storage. Or talk about a headache. Not only just the storage, but uh, the scheduling of flights. I mean, you lose your best planes, and you still have to get people where they paid to go. When they wanted to get there. Uh, you got to try to treat it as if nothing happened. I mean, that's just difficult. This article I've uh, I've found from Forbes. I mean, it's we're talking about uh, saving the inside from heat. We're talking about keeping animals out of the plane. We're talking about uh, keeping the the wheels from getting stuck to the ground, uh, keeping the engine lubricated, keeping the engine functional, keeping water out of the fuel, keeping the batteries from dying, keeping the electronics from getting weird. Checklist after checklist. It says, as the the, uh, timeline for the 737's max return has receded further over the past few weeks, some airlines could decide to put their planes into a state of deeper storage. Next level type stuff going on here. With the engines preserved and batteries and other sensitive parts removed. So they would no longer be planes at that point. Deeper storage. And if you know a plane's going to sit for a while, uh, this is a good idea because it requires fewer regular maintenance tasks. This type of storage generally runs half the cost of what's so-called active storage, what they're in right now. And that's at roughly $1,000 a month per plane, which actually, for a big company, uh, isn't that big of an expense. It's more of not having the planes is the issue. 
But even though it's cheaper to to have it in long-term storage like this, it means it takes more time to get the planes ready when aviation regulators finally say it's okay to fly the Boeing 737 again. So it's a, it's a bit of a gamble, maybe you could say. So if you think these planes are going to be stored for much longer than anticipated, it might be worth putting it into a deeper storage. Yeah, it's just too much thinking for me. It's freaking 11, 20, 10, 25 at night. It's 11, 25 somewhere over the Atlantic. In long-term storage, the engines, the single most valuable part on an airliner, are quote-unquote pickled. Marinate in that for a second. It says the oil is drained and then replaced with an oil mixed with a corrosion prevention solution. And I guess you just kind of keep it in a massive jet engine jar and pickle it. Then the ends are covered up to keep the elements, animals, and insects away. When planes are dormant for more than two months, more than two months, Boeing's 737 maintenance manual, I feel sorry for whoever read this whole thing, Boeing's 737 maintenance manual, when a plane is uh, dormant more than two months, calls for gaps in the fuselage to be sealed with a vinyl tape and screens placed over drain holes. A protective coating is sprayed onto the unpainted metal surfaces. The cabins go dark with the window shades closed and cockpit windows covered with aluminum foil tape or other reflective material. Cotton covers are put over the seats and runners to protect the carpets. Deep storage is what we're talking about here. The 737 manual lays out a schedule of maintenance procedures to be done at regular intervals. Every week, the plane should be scanned for corrosion. Every two weeks, electrical systems powered up for two hours. Every 30 days, the plane should be moved a third of a wheel's turn to prevent the tires from getting flat spots. Carpets and seats should be checked for mildew. And water drained from the sumps of fuel tanks to prevent growth of bacteria or fungi, which have the consistency of mayonnaise and plug fuel filters. Every 90 days, the flaps, rudder, and other control services need to be exercised. And the list keeps going on and on. If the grounding exceed, extends to a year, hopefully that does not happen, but if grounding extends to a year, the landing gear may need to be flexed with the plane propped up on giant jacks placed under the wings and the nose. Good grief. Boeing and Airbus, their rival, their European rival, recommend that some models should be restored to operating condition after a year before being shut down again. So part of long-term storage is to is to pull it out of long-term storage to then put it back into into long-term storage again. Man, the uh, the engineer meeting for this was probably many debates on these time periods and these specifications and 
And uh, when we come back, I'm going to talk again what I did at the start of the show. We're going to talk about chicken. I need a change. No more planes for right now. Give me some chicken. I'm Loopy. Search Loopy Radio on Apple Podcasts. I'm Loopy. Have you have you gone on the internet recently and delved into this uh, battle of the chicken sandwich? That's uh, that's what I covered at the beginning of this show today. I mean, this is making internet a lot of internet gold is coming off this. And frankly, it shows the the importance to the American consumer market of the chicken sandwich made in a certain way. Not just any type of chicken sandwich. Popeyes started this frenzy, this frenzy of who has the best chicken sandwich, uh, mainly against Chick-fil-A. Other companies are trying to join in on the fun as well. But this is mainly, uh, the internet has concluded this is mainly a Chick-fil-A versus Popeyes battle. This is from Reuters. Says if you haven't gotten your hands on one of the buzzed about Popeye's fried chicken sandwiches by now, uh, it's unlikely to happen for a while. The sandwich that debuted earlier this month, uh, the sandwich that debuted earlier this month, uh, debuted to long lines and all kinds of online hype, will be sold out at all locations by the end of the week. That's what Popeye's uh, Louisiana Kitchen announced on Tuesday. The chain said in a prepared statement, the demand for the new chicken sandwich in the first few weeks following launch far exceeded our very optimistic expectations. Far exceeded their very optimistic expectations. So not only did they say, we're going to assume very highly, but reality far exceeded that. In fact, Popeye's aggressively forecasted demand through the end of September and has already sold through that inventory. So not only did they uh, optimistically predict what would happen through the first day and the first week, they, they had an aggressive inventory for all of September. We're not even in September, and they've sold out. And th- that is how much of a revolution this is in the American fast food chicken sandwich market. In a video that they posted on Twitter, Popeye's says they will be, uh, they'll have more soon. It's not like the whole restaurant is sold out. It's just this. T- it's just this specific item. Reuters says the uh, the sandwich is served on a brioche like bun. I guess as best as you can get for fast food and brioche, with pickles and a special sauce. And it has sparked an intense social media rivalry with with, uh, with Chick Fil A. Other fast food chains that serve up chicken sandwiches entered the fray, too, and it didn't take long for passionate consumers to storm the Internet with their favorites and, uh, yeah, their opinions. 
uh, positive and negative on different companies. It is quite entertaining. The Popeye sandwiches haven't been easy to come by since they launched. High demand. Across the country, diners have waited in hours-long lines in stores and drive throughs for a taste. Hours long. How do you have this time in the day? That's my question. And many locations were posting sold-out signs days before the chain's national announcement on Tuesday. So some places said, yeah, we're done with this, uh, before the company admitted that, uh, yeah, everywhere, you know, these things are gone. Gonzo. Popeyes versus Chick-fil-A made the battle for the greatest chicken sandwich in fast food begin. Now that that's something I'll I'll probably never um be able to answer this question since I cannot eat gluten. But uh is there a mainstream non fast food place that serves a legendary fried chicken sandwich? Non fast food place? Uh, because nothing pops into my head. You know, because you'd think some gourmet restaurant would have some, you know, best of example. But uh, we're talking about a fried chicken sandwich. You know, a, a nice restaurant is not really probably going to have that. Unless it's on the kids menu. And in that case, they don't really care. You know? As long as it's chicken and it's fried, the kid's going to be satisfied. The gourmet kitchen doesn't really have to care. But, you know, I I wonder if there is a a restaurant that doesn't technically qualify as fast food, but has a comparable sandwich. And not only would it be comparable, would it be better than a Chick-fil-A or now Popeye's chicken sandwich? These are the real questions I want us to delve into, the real, the real uh, things in life. Oh, boy. And here's another big one, more chicken news, kind of, imitation chicken. KFC uh, is being described by some, especially this guy named Peter Economy, which I feel like isn't a real name, but uh, we'll go with it. He says KFC did the unthinkable. Testing two new plant-based vegan fried chicken products in the form of nuggets and boneless wings. Now, my question is, do they have to say they're boneless wings if it is plant-based vegan? I mean, what would the what would boned plant-based vegan wings be like? You tell me. I'm loopy. I'm Luffy. Good grief, my stomach just growled. A late night snack, midnight snack is at an order. Man, good grief, and I hope you know exactly what I feel like. Well, actually, I don't because it's not a great feeling. Um, man, I'm hungry. I could go for like a Snickers bar or something. 
or some ice cream. That kind of that kind of hungry. I don't need anything substantial. I mean, I need something that tastes good and makes me feel good for about five minutes. Not just good, makes me feel great for about the five minutes that I eat it, and then I don't care how I feel after because I'm going to bed. So I don't need no good for me food. I need myself. I need myself something tasty before I hit my tasty bed. Hit it real hard. And I do also believe the ghost of WASU just walked through the hallway because um, we have like automatic lights that turn on. They're motion sensing because we are green and sustainable and invest in technology that's terrible for the planet to create. So we have these um, automatic sensing lights, which do actually do a good job of saving electricity. They do. Um, yeah, they just turned on in the hallway. I can see out the window um, and then turned off and nothing went through the hallway. So, uh, yeah, ghost. But here's a little quick rundown if you are concerned about how to store your Boeing 737 MAX jet for a long period of time. If you want to put it into uh, deep storage. And this is, uh, is kind of like mid-range storage. Uh, every week, the plane should be scanned for corrosion. Put that on your, uh, on your little to-do list. Every two weeks, electrical systems should be powered up for two hours. All right. Every 30 days, every month, basically, all right, the plane should be moved a third of a wheel's turn. Got that? That's to prevent tires from getting flat spots. Carpets and seats should be checked for mildew. Good little smell test. We'll get that done. And water drained from the sumps of fuel tanks to prevent growth of bacteria or fungi which can have the consistency of mayonnaise and plug fuel filters. Pretty important. Every 90 days, the flaps, rudder, and other control uh, services need to be exercised, need to be, you know, moved a little bit, get those connections doing their thingamajig. Was that science-y enough? Was that aerospace and aeronautical enough for you? Here we go. If the grounding of your plane extends to a year... For those of you who need to know this, all you execs at American Airlines listen to this, and if you don't know this, if your grounding extends to a year for your Boeing 737 Supermax, the landing gear may need to be flexed. You know, just give a little uh, little movement. And you do that with a plane propped up on giant jacks placed under the wings and the nose. Boeing, the American company, and Airbus, the European company, recommend that uh, some models should be restored to operating condition after a year before being shut down again. So you do this massive process to shut it down, and then you put it back together, and the plane's like, ooh, I'm ready. Yay, I've been sitting for a year. And then you're like, eh, and then you dismantle it again. Boeing expects aviation regulators to sign off on its fixes for the 737 MAX and to revise training regime early in the fourth quarter this year. Winter time. But given previous delays and new technical issues that have arisen over the past few months, 
Some industry watchers think the plane's return to service could slip further. And this has caused some action. Southwest Airlines have taken the 737 MAX off its flight schedule till January 5th. And Southwest has the most 737s of any company. It's off their flight schedule until January 5th. They've committed to that. Air Canada has scrubbed the plane through January 8th. A Southwest spokesman said uh, that once the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, declares the model airworthy, the airline expects it will take another 120 hours of work on each plane to get them ready to fly again. 120 hours of work. That's nuts. And 30 to 60 days for the airline's whole fleet to get ready. 30 to 60 days. I talk about a headache. Here's one giant task to end off this little article. Cleaning the planes. Dust can collect inside planes stored in the desert if doors are vented, which uh, you need to do apparently to keep it from getting too hot. So, uh, yeah, so now you got, like, dirt and dust inside the plane. So you got to do a thorough vacuuming. I mean, people in the, in first class especially want no uh, evidence that this thing was in a desert for months. If storage facility doesn't have a concrete wash pad with drains to properly dispose of large amounts of soapy water, workers have no choice but to wipe down the plane by hand. Man. You also need uh, 27-foot-high work platforms and a mammoth supply of cleaning wipes. I'm Loopy. AppState's godfather of talk radio. I'm Loopy. I'm not going to lie. I broke... I was craving it. That is the wrapper of the now deceased Snickers bar. No regrets. Absolutely none. There, there was, a, there's a sign though out there on the on the vending machine. It looks like we're switching vendors. For our vending machines. So there was only like six or seven items in that vending machine. It's depressing. Even whoever has to put stuff in there wrote a note. And they ended it with, sorry. But uh, it had me one Snickers bar in there. So uh, there we go. It's gluten free. I'm, st- I'm still gonna go back home and eat, you know, eat like a bowl of ice cream. I didn't, I need that. I need it. Make me sleep well for my 8 a.m. class tomorrow. You feel me? Sometimes you you just, you need something, 
and you know what it is, and you got to have it. And no, I'm not a drug addict. I'm talking about Snickers and ice cream. What kind of hole did I just dig myself into? All right, if you like the show, I actually had several people this summer come and talk to me, telling me they enjoyed the show, and I, I love hearing that because I just assume no one's listening, except for the unfortunate souls in the student rec center. If you like my show, give me a like on Facebook, L-U-P-I-E Radio. I'd love your feedback, too. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, all over the Internet. I've got a website. Come check me out. Let me know you're listening to me. I really enjoy it. I'm loopy. And uh, I'll be doing this until May. And then the big goal, the big goal is to get a job where I get paid to talk for a living. That's the American dream right there. I'll be back in a week, and if you wake up bright and early, I'm on the morning show on Friday. I'm Loopy.